So yeah, I am Deanna's little sister, um, and I am a limited licensed social worker, but I recently just passed my licensing exam, so I will be fully licensed very soon. Um, and I am a child and family therapist full-time, um, but I also am doing part-time at another um, private practice, so pretty much I'm a therapist. That's the, the brunt of it. And I work with trauma work, um, and a lot of different mental health issues. So that's pretty much a little bit about me. So like she said, like my sister said, like, like Jessica said, she is a therapist. Um, so we really wanted to bring awareness. I know last month it was um, domestic violence, ADHD, breast cancer, a lot of awareness for that month. And of course we had to take a couple weeks off, um, get our own lives together, um, kind of like our, our own mental breaks and you know so much stuff going on in our own lives personally um but we are back and we come in with some with some gems with somebody that can give some really good advice and resources for those who may be going through these things um yeah start with all right so <laughs> for today's topic i guess we could start off with adhd just um until we get Tamara back I think she might be in the waiting room too <laughs> um but just to kind of start off ADHD is pretty common like a lot of people know what it is but they don't really know what it is and it can seem it can really act as different things so some people who may think that they have ADHD might just have trauma or like anxiety um so it's really good to have a proper um assessment like a diagnosis for it and go to the whole evaluation process, which can be hard. I'll get into that a little later. Um, but ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And what that means is that either you could have either a com combination of attention, um, focus and attention problems, or um, and hyperactivity, meaning like you fidget, you move around a lot, you're impulsive or um, you can have either or, and that's where it gets confusing um, for some people because if you only have a lack of attention um, or like focus problems, you don't really think you have ADHD, but it could really actually be that. Um, and other people just have impulsivity, like they are pretty hyperactive and they move around. So you can either have a combined type or you could have one or the other. Um, it's very underdiagnosed in girls because it looks different sometimes um, in girls. So boys are overdiagnosed sometimes. Sometimes it's like just trauma <laughs> and like they're getting a diagnosis of ADHD, but really it is, um, it could be something else. So you really want to make sure you're paying attention to some of the signs that I'll list off. Um, but before I jump into anything else, just from based off the first information, Portia, DD, do y'all have anything so far? Any questions about that or? I mean, <clears throat> Yes and no, like, because mm -hmm. um, I only really, and this will really need to clarify, it's not just for kids. No. And it's not just for kids, because <laughs> it's some adults. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, some adults are, and that's why I wanted to bring awareness, because some people may think they just, like, something is, like, wrong with them mm -hmm. in other ways. But, it, like you said, it could just be that, so just just to know, just know that it's not for just for kids. However, it would be nice if we could take it a little more serious. I know mm -hmm. typically black people usually don't like to, you know, go straight to like 
labeling their children with these type of things, like these type of um, diagnoses. But we got to take it a little more serious because now you are wondering why your child can't concentrate in school, why your child is not can't get a keep a job or you know things like that but mm -hmm. this is the type of stuff that you have to really pay attention to yeah mm -hmm. it's actually funny you said that because um with adults um symptoms especially folks who have never been diagnosed adhd it comes with a lot of financial problems and responsibility mm -hmm. because adhd is impulsive but not just with behavior like um like they're just moving a lot it's impulsive and and a lot of things and that could be they might overspend or like might just purchase big items and don't even recognize mm -hmm. why they're doing that it's an impulse mm -hmm. to do it that they can't quite control um so when it comes down to recognizing the signs just really observing your behavior like are you a person who easily loses track of conversations like when someone's talking to you do you have to like jump back into that conversation and you're like what the hell are they just talking about like you just have to know um like what was going on so um once you recognize that once you realize like oh yeah I do doze off in conversations a lot I do have a difficult time concentrating I do have a hard time um staying organized and like it looks like messy but really it's just like i literally forgot this one item because i got sidetracked and had another thought um that mm -hmm. led me to do something different um so it could seem like be things like that and especially in adults it shows up that way um children it shows up a lot in school at least so or at least that's where it gets the more most attention it shows up at mm -hmm. home in order to have adhd you have to have it in um multiple areas of your life it has to affect more than one area so it has to affect like school or work home life um your social life, social life things mm -hmm. like that it can't just be one thing because then it could definitely be another thing like it can be stress in itself um mm -hmm. so you can definitely tell the difference if it's like affecting you all the time like in every situation one thing and this is not like a a real fact but <laughs> it could be um if you're a person who you drink coffee or like caffeine and it doesn't have an effect on you um and you find yourself having all these things then that's a, probably a really tall tale sign that you have adhd because it's a stimulant and what it does is it calms you down um stimulants calm down people with adhd so when you have caffeine it counteracts um in some way and it really just neutralizes your body instead of helping you to get the energy that coffee is supposed to give you so that's kind of a sign that you can tell too if you do actually have like the it's a neural um neurodivergent um illness so you can kind of tell because it really affects your brain in a lot of ways um by the way yeah. my sister got a master's i do i have a master's <laughs> i'm sorry I'm like, <laughs> right right she said all that factual stuff and that's all you had to say listen, my sister just, got a because i just crazy. listen i want to make sure everybody knew that she i mean she already <laughs> said that she was official but come on now she official official it's crazy that you're talking about, you know, the um, the side effects and, and the, the signs to get it. But you know what's so crazier is that you mentioned the black community and how, mm -hmm. you know, it's harder for us and it's harder to diagnose women. So I have a master's in clinical mental health counseling myself. Um, I have another master's in school counseling. COVID messed awesome. up my internship, so I'm waiting for uh, my mm -hmm. final internship to be done. And then, um, however, you know, there's this other stigma that we tend to not talk about when it comes to diagnosing our children, especially African-American children. Mm -hmm. The reality of it is when we place our children with getting labeled in the school system, mm -hmm. it is another gateway to um, 
bringing our children into more of the criminal world. And, mm -hmm. and I'm going to touch exactly. on that because why? They're building prisons off of IEPs. Hmm. So when you think about if your child qualifies for certain things, the government, as well as that school district and that community, get extra funding for labeling your child with an IEP. And so they make it harder for African-Americans um, to get more of the more serious diagnosis, the ones that we're starting to see. ADHD is the number one diagnosis that they always label African-American children. And I can mm. tell you, statistics show that most African-American children are not ADHD. Mm -hmm. Trauma. Mm -hmm. They're not. It's trauma. Yeah. And that's the problem when it comes to mental health. People aren't ready to deal with, first mm -hmm. of all, a person of color. Secondly, right. a child of color, and now you're trying to label that person and not understand the backgrounds mm -hmm. and the, the stigmas that come with an African-American children. Mm -hmm. They're not cultural competent. They don't know mm -hmm. how to um, approach our children. And so they're quick to say, oh, you know, that child is ADHD. From personal experience, my daughter, who is 10 years old, um, has um, brain damage, frontal lobe brain damage from having seizures. Deanna experienced all of that with me. Mm -hmm. um, to this day, that started at the age of two, and here it is, 10. She's still not diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Why? Because girls' social cues are very harder to read. Mm -hmm. So you touched on that. However, you have these individuals that go into rooms, especially in the school system, they're not counselors. They're mm -hmm. not certified diagnosers. They're social workers that are quick to say, oh, well, I've, I observed this child and they're ADHD. Mm -hmm. Well, here it is. You have an actual counselor reading a 170-page report, and you've only spent five minutes with my child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And see, and this is where I, I like to do a lot of advocating for parents to let them know what their rights are. Because the thing is, don't go in that school system and just take that five-minute result you know, word for scouts for this white woman that's standing in front of you. And I hate to bring race into it, but Africans typically go towards a social um, helping profession. So we're already limited within that. But I just wanted to touch on that little aspect because when it comes to just labeling our children, we don't have the accessibility, let alone um, factual education that is going to um, solidify and back our children up. And ADHD is the number one diagnosis that most school systems are going to diagnose and label our children with. And so be cautious with that ADHD and ADD. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's, it really is just trauma. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it acts as a, a mask almost for um, some people because with any kind of stress, um, you're going to be um, disoriented, you're going to be distracted, you're going to be um, anxious and that anxiety turns into hyperactivity to some people or impulsivity so it really acts as the same thing and it mimics it but it could be definitely a lot different so you have to really really actually get an evaluation a real evaluation from a, a, a like a psychiatrist or somebody who actually is in that field and like not just any psychiatrist but like one who's certified in like ADHD I cannot call myself an ADHD specialist. Um, I work with kids who have ADHD, but I'm not a specialist. I train in a lot of other things, like trauma-related things. Um, so you have to be careful with that label, too, and, like, putting those people in the right places with the right people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> I love the facts. <laughs> yeah, facts. Well, yeah, Honestly, so I think you guys hit on something that uh, it kind of reminded me of the um, misdiagnosing, right, of the of of children, because like if kids are super hyper in school, like you said, they they mostly want to just try to label them. Okay, they're a bad child, or mm -hmm. they have ADHD. 
They never look at the mm -hmm. other spectrums of what might be going on with their children, with that child, and it's also due to because they do not have the capabilities to mm -hmm. notice the signs as well. Mm -hmm. That child might just be bored and also might be <laughs> yes, absolutely literally a, a very a very high intellectual child. Mm -hmm. IQ might be out the roof, but they and they're not fully engaging in what they're you know being taught in school. Mm -hmm. So they just label them. Oh, this kid is just you know. Um, a, a troubled child, they, they just can't pay attention. No, they're bored. But did you mm -hmm. even test to see that maybe this child um, uh, um, intellect is on a different level and they're, really? they're, they're not being stimulated mentally with knowledge because there has been many cases where kids was diagnosed with being ADHD or a troubled child and later on find out, no, this child IQ is support, way surpassed what it's supposed to be at their age and they were learning at a different level but they never looked at that especially again not to bring race into it because they were african-american child mm -hmm. there you go. that's the issue mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and see and, and it's funny that you mentioned that particular piece because autism is the number one mm -hmm. leading thing honestly mm -hmm. that is not labeled mm -hmm. and should be labeled yes. there is really a such thing as educational autism mm -hmm where children can function in the normal world and other surroundings and not in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Literally. And, and I, I think it's something that needs to be more talked about. It needs mm -hmm. to be more prevalent. I do think that there needs to be more research and studies on it. I do think that that's what my daughter suffers from. And it's just, you're right, that misdiagnosis is a key mm -hmm. component. Mm -hmm. Why? Because no one wants to deal with the true issues of mental health. And yeah, ADHD yeah. is an, it's, it's a gateway to just be done with it and mm -hmm. wipe it away. Give them, put them on meds and just be mm -hmm. like, all right, calm down. Yeah. Like, that is well, also for the benefit, like you said, the schools benefit, the, the city, whatever, mm -hmm. to get that money in those schools because, like you said, it's a number game. Mm -hmm. If we just continue to push out these kids that these kids are this, that, and that, they know that comes with a dollar sign, they're mm -hmm. winning in the end, even if it's hurting that child and, you know, later mm -hmm. on down the line because with being, and that's another thing I want to ask Jesse about is, why is it from you uh, in your profession, from what you were saying, why is it so that in our community, when our child is labeled with these things, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's okay to know that your child has this issue going on with them so you can handle them properly. Mm -hmm. But when in our community, if you go to therapy about anything, not even just being diagnosed with something, it comes with a negative stigma mm -hmm. and then it turns it just rolls downhill mm -hmm. i can speak for myself i'm a um sexual victim advocate in the army um so i deal with that a lot of people don't want to come mm -hmm. and talk about their cases or them being sexually assaulted or harassed because it's not supposed to but it comes with a negative conversation right. if it gets out that they have you know put in a, a report not that people might know what they put in the report about, but if they're getting moved and, you know, whispers getting done, people uh, start to ask questions and figure out, like, okay, this person put in a case, not knowing on who or on whom or what it's about. It's just, okay, this person is an outcast because they came for it. Mm. Or this person wants to go see um, the chaplain or a counselor because they have having mental issues okay this soldier is weak or something like that so now it's just from there okay this person is not eligible to go to school this person is not able to do this all because it's a negative thing mm -hmm. it's supposed to just be able to just take whatever life is throwing at you especially in the profession that i'm in like we deal with 
you have your mental fortitude has to be strong, but we're we're still human, you mm -hmm. know, being away from our families and everything that's going on and the day to day life of what the army brings. It really weighs heavily on your mental and people don't really know how mm -hmm. much, you know, I, I don't want to steer the, the, the direction of the conversation, but knows how much the average person stress that they go through versus a person that's fighting for the country, mm -hmm. so to speak, right? So, but I just know that's a big problem yeah. in our organization as well. And mm -hmm. a lot of people don't, they don't talk about it. It's spread yeah. throughout. But I just, I just wanted to hear from Jesse, like, why do you think, particularly in the African-American community, it's such a negative thing to go and get help? Because we've been harmed in the past and we have good reason to fear it. That's a trauma response. Um, there's been times when the white community has tested us like they use us like guinea pigs in the lab and like done different things to harm us so whenever you have a field that's primarily white they're not going to want to come to you um they already have this idea that a social worker or a therapist is someone you can't trust because of who has been in those positions so when you have more people like me like breaking those barriers and like jumping into that system and like tamara like Moving into those systems, moving into rooms where you where you're creating space for other people, that's where people feel more safety. You don't know how many times I've had people come to me and like, I'm glad you're a black woman. I'm glad you're a young black woman in this position because I trust you. I trust you more. And when you have people that look like you and who know what you've been through to some extent, because um, I can't say I've been through what everybody else has been through, but I know I have an understanding of some things that <laughs> a lot of my peers do not. So when it comes to that, you have to have that trust and safety piece, and that's where the lack of understanding is coming because black people have not always had that in the past. And so I find it frustrating because I'm like, just go to therapy, go to therapy, do it, like do it, it's gonna help. But also I know that I'm coming from a place where I had to grow into that as well and like understand it. So not everyone knows what the benefits are of it because they've been wronged in the past. They automatically think of like, CPS um, reports being created or this person's going to call the cops on me or do whatever. They're going to send me to a mental hospital, which is not always the bad things. I've had people tell me I'm glad that you made that report because it really pushed me to like know that it was something wrong and I got the help I needed. So it could be a scary feeling. It can be something that's very daunting, but it could also be very helpful. And I think that's what I want or more black people to understand is that this is a scary thing. It's a scary feeling, but what you're already in is scary. So why not try something different? Why not try and um, break that barrier? That trust though, that trust piece is a big part of it. I think that stigma that surrounds mental health and what it looks like, like it's nothing wrong with you. And that's because that's a trauma response too. We're so used to being in fight mode and survival mode. Yes. And yes. so we think everybody should be in that mode. We mm -hmm. think everybody should be strong. I hate that word now. I don't like the word strong mm -hmm. because I think it's very harmful. I think it's a very harmful word because now you are expected to be strong all the time. And not everyone is able to do that. You, sh you deserve to have moments where you have to relax and, like, mm -hmm. sit down. Like, because your body, yeah. Express your feelings, for sure. Yeah. 100%. So being strong is being able to take that. We can redefine strong. I'll say that. Redefining strong to be something where I'm strong because I'm able to take a break when I need to. I'm able to talk uh, to people when I need to. I'm able to ask for help when I need to. That takes strength. That takes courage to do. That's real strength. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So to be vulnerable like that. Being vulnerable. Vulnerable. That's the word. <laughs> and listen. And listen. I got you. We, yes. we touched on the children. We just touched on the army. We yeah. we know women. Of course, we are extremely emotional creatures already, and we gonna most of us are going to let it be known because we are the ones who voice ourselves the most but we are also talking about the men as well it's okay it's mental it's, health awareness month it's November. funny you said that yeah perfect timing mm-hmm. yes like we're talking about y'all too like mm-hmm. it's i know it's that saying that you know <laughs> men can't cry or you know all that right. type of stuff but no but but there's a curveball to that answer, you guys. We we also got to look at, see, and I learned this in one of my, my classes. Um, and, and I think, I'm sorry, what's your name again? Your sister. Jessica. Mm-hmm. Jessica. Jessica. So I think Jessica is going, is she going to nod her head when I say it. <laughs> there's this, so it's required to take this particular course throughout our master's studies. And um, it talks about our own cultural competence mm-hmm. when it comes to African-Americans. And, and that question, it's a catch-22 because we are our own worst enemies. Mm-hmm. We create that stigma ourselves. Yeah. And why? Because humor is our number one go-to when we're mm-hmm. hurting. It's it's the way that we deflect our pain to deflect pain on someone else. Mm-hmm. And so we're quick to demean and judge and, and knock people down for wanting help. There's this TED Talk um, series that I remember watching in my class about how this African-American, true African from like, um, I, I can't remember. Long story short, just Google TED Talk, African seeking help, whatever. Long story short, um, this guy was seeking help. He needed help. He was going through some mental stuff. And his family was like, oh, he's crazy, blah, blah, blah. And they just continued to laugh and talk about this man because he was seeking help mm-hmm. didn't understand that he was going through some stuff was hearing some stuff in his head mm-hmm. long story short he ended up killing himself mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they were like oh well why didn't he get help why didn't he go to somebody well when he went to somebody we clowned him mm-hmm. we talked about him mm-hmm. and so it goes back to that cultural aspect of that stigma we create that stigma mm-hmm. within our own culture because of the trauma that we've been through and we want to see other people inflict the pain, and we think it's funny. And this is where I, I wish, and I hope and pray that one day we can just get away from that. But I think it's, it's I, and me personally, I'm not a licensed therapist or anything like that. But me personally, I just think that it's the lack of um, knowledge, knowledge, honestly. It is a lack of awareness. That, we yeah. don't get taught the tools mm-hmm. to, oh, definitely. to mm-hmm. deal with it. Lack so. of cultural competence is so real, but the access to it, we don't allow the access to educate people on this stuff because why we're built up to already be a certain way in our culture. Yes. So that cultural piece is there. And, and it just, you hit it on the nail, but see, when you threw the army into it, you got to understand that now you're living by a certain code, right? There's right. this code of conduct that you have to follow, and it's, it's like police. You're either with them or you're against them. Right. And you got to fall in line. So if they see you trying to create a different dynamic and approach, now you're going to be the talk of the town because you're not with them. And so that's, it's just, it's a fine line when it comes down to it. Absolutely. Which is still culture. <laughs> but yeah. you, it is. you mentioned a few things and Didi brought this up about mental um, men being, you know, not being able to 
kind of express themselves that is very cultural um mm-hmm. but also men are like the more likely people to complete suicide they are they don't attempt the most but they complete the most they complete they suicide mm-hmm. um the yeah. most out of anyone else and it's because they've been asking for this help like you said they've asked for this help and people are like oh you're okay you're gonna be fine mm-hmm. or they do make man an excuse up. like man yeah. up you got Crazy. this and it's like but no right now i don't and right now I'm asking for help. I'm like crying out loud and no one's hearing me. Mm-hmm. I'm drowning. And now mm-hmm. now I feel like I can I don't have any outlet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that's so um it's very disheartening to see because I've connected mm-hmm. with young males in ways I never knew I could because I never thought that they <laughs> and this is bad for me to say, but before I connected with males, I was like, I didn't really think that they were deep in tune into their emotions. But mm-hmm. I have these young kids that I'm connecting with these teens and I'm starting to see young men as like young adult men and they're really like struggling and like mm-hmm. nobody's there listening. <laughs> and it's so tough. It's so tough mm-hmm. to see that. Um, so being able to recognize that and be able to know that, um, there are things, and even with ADHD, it's a cold, you usually have a cold disorder. So, um, Portia, you touched on some, you was like, I'm, I think I'm going off subject. No, you're not. Cause all this is a cold disorder. Yeah, ADHD is, uh, usually is followed with depression or anxiety or something else, um, along with it. So it's still all the same. And some mm-hmm. people who have experienced, um, a traumatic situation it just heightens <laughs> the ADHD is like matching each other to some extent so all of this is all in the same realm mental health really collides um they really kind of mesh together with something so it's all around the same topic mm-hmm. well speaking of um like you said when um everything pretty much collides together once you not being able to or actually I mean, you don't have the knowledge. You don't mm-hmm. know what's actually going on with yourself. And now you're falling into depression. Yeah. That's a whole nother. And then you got everybody else around you just like, oh, it's just a phase. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's wild. That's wild. Me, myself, I definitely could say that I've been through the, the depression stage. But mainly because I think that it was because I wasn't satisfied with my hierarchies. I wasn't, I wasn't in a space that I knew that I had the potential to be in. And I feel like that sometimes, um, not to give anyone an excuse, but how, when men act out the way they do, I mean, the kill, stealing, and destroying, because um, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have anybody to help them. They don't have, um, or they just don't know how to get to that point, mm-hmm. get to that help. It's always been get out here and get it how you can, like, now it's it's a trickle effect from whoever taught them that. Now they're going to teach their kids that instead mm-hmm. of every time we mention, like, go see a therapist or, you know, try to, like, direct them in a job or anything. Whatever it is that they need help in, they're just like, I'm the man. Mm-hmm. Like, I got this. That's just, mm-hmm. that's crazy. That's so crazy. I have a question, Jesse, mm-hmm. um, directed towards you. So is it... Can these things be developed later in long, later later on later oh, wow <laughs> later on in life? You know, some people might out the womb they might have it, but later on in life could it be something like you said trauma, something triggers something, and now this person can be diagnosed with these disorders or. I would say for ADHD, it is more common that you've had that for a while. Um, Like, it's an onset in childhood, more than likely. Even if you don't get diagnosed in childhood, it is an onset. 
meaning that it starts there. And when it comes down to other things like depression, um, anxiety, and things like that, that stuff can definitely develop throughout your life. Not everyone has that at a young age. Um, it could be situational. It could be a trigger for sure situation. But I would definitely say, because ADHD is neural, like I said before, is neurodivergent. So that's like genetic, like that's in your brain. Um, that's happening there. So it's more something you're going to notice that at a young age. Um, even if it's not recognized immediately by everyone else, the person going through it, they know um, to some extent what they're experiencing. They might not have answers like Didi said. They are like, and that's where it leads to different things, um, different disorders, because you now you're like losing self-esteem. Everyone expects you to be in this box. Like you said earlier, Portia, like they're putting these kids and me and my mama and I were talking about this yesterday on the phone. And I was like, so I was getting really <laughs> passionate about it because I was like they are putting these kids in these classroom giving them pencil and paper for every single kid and that's not how all kids learn and mm -hmm. it's very tough for them to be able to sit there in that classroom and have to have these expectations super bright kids like mm -hmm. kids with ADHD are so creative and innovative and they don't get the opportunity to express that because they're forced to be in this box that they necessarily cannot even be in and that's the same thing with autism um, Y'all mentioned that earlier, and it's a very fine line, too, with um, how some things present with autism and ADHD. Um, obviously, some forms of autism, like, it's a spectrum, so some forms you can obviously tell, like, okay, this kid may be autistic, but the ones who are um, on a different part of the spectrum, who are more what we call high-functioning, they do have things that mimic other situations. So, it could be that they're um, actually autistic, or maybe they just have ADHD and it's just undiagnosed. Um, so you have to kind of think about that autism usually starts in childhood that's the onset thing too um onset mental health um issue but most of the other things are are not um onset in childhood i would say um you might notice some things but like anxiety like um Dee, you were mentioning depression but it was probably some anxiety that led into that depression oh, absolutely <laughs> So, <laughs> no doubt, the idea like being hard on yourself, I need to be able to reach these heights and putting that pressure on yourself, thinking like I can do more and I know I can. Um, mm -hmm. That leads to a different thing. And once you're not able to meet those standards that usually you're studying for yourself, um, it kind of sends you into a down spiral. And then it does lead into depression. So a lot of these things do have cold disorders. And I keep mentioning that word because it's very it's very likely that if you have one thing, you might have another <laughs> um, thing going on, especially if it goes untreated, if it goes untreated for a while. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Agree. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah, I don't know. Of course, questions. you have more questions. <laughs> okay. Well, what was the other... Um, now I got all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other awareness that we touched on? ADHD, mm -hmm. um, we touched on a little bit of anxiety and depression, um, domestic violence. Mm. We, can, we can touch on domestic violence. Um, mm. It might have like a definition of, you know, like, because it's, it's multiple forms of domestic violence. Yeah. Um, anybody want to touch on those? What I want to ask, another question, sorry. <laughs> and this is directed to anybody that might have the information. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, our podcast is uh, <laughs> held out of Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, to be exact. Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, is there 
where people can go, right? Mm -hmm. Is there any, like, um, free clinics or is there any um, workshops or anything like that that you know that's somewhere in the city, around the city, surrounding the city, that people can go and get these type of tests done or speak to someone or just ask questions? Well, I definitely have a suggestion. I do have a, um, a therapist myself, and I found her off of today's. Uh, psychology, psychology today. Psychology today. Mm -hmm. And you can literally put in every, like, you can build your own psychiatrist. Literally. Like, you literally can. Put I want me a, me a black woman. Black <laughs> woman or a man, how old, mm -hmm. young, um, hours, um, specifically what they are specializing, your insurance, like, psychology today. Psychi mm -hmm. Psychology yeah psychology today you got it yes <laughs> I, I think that's like one of the best you know but also um um northwest activity center i had to um visit them not too long ago i had went in there and i did see a bunch of flyers i don't know if it's specifically a place um in there but i do know that they can probably provide some type of resources as well um and then maybe Jessie want to <laughs> add her places. <laughs> yeah, so we're literally across from one right now at the studio. Highland Park um, has Ruth Ellis Center right here centrally. They are primarily for, like, the LGBTQ plus community, but they also service everyone. And it's a mm -hmm. really good spot if mm -hmm. you are a person who's looking for um, – a community for you and you're in that community they are amazing they have like a drop-in center you can just kind of chill there they have they just built this new housing um these new apartments that you can get low-income apartments um loaded yeah load of no-cost apartments to stay in um and they're part of detroit Wayne integrated health network um system so that's where i work in at, at community mental health i'm at a cmh is the shortened version of it and detroit um integrated health net detroit integrated health network they changed their name up <laughs> detroit wayne integrated health network is d win so d w i h n um if you look them up that is for wayne county so you can find all of the cmhs in wayne county and when i say cmh community mental health services medicaid clients specifically they do take private insurance so if you do have commercial insurance or private they do service you, but it's first come, first serve for Medicaid because that is the priority um, in these systems. So you can um, look that up for Wayne County. You can look up how close one is to you, what services they offer. If you go online, if you can um, call their number, I can look up the number and like um, put that out. They have hotlines, crisis centers. If you are really in crisis, you can go to an emergency room, and it is not... If you go to a mercy room yourself and um, you always have the option to not have to go to inpatient. And I would say that that stigma has to start being broken as well because inpatient is not always a terrible thing um, for everyone. But what they could do is give you resources. So at the very least, if you don't go into an inpatient hospital um, overnight, you could definitely get resources um, for help. So Detroit Wayne's number um, is... I'm just going to make sure I got the right number. Um, they have a 24-hour helpline, 1-800-241-4949. Um, and you can also just go online and kind of, you know, just like Didi was saying about Psychology Today, like kind of literally look for what you're looking for um, at an agency. They don't really have 
um, therapists, like specifically that you're going to see, but they do have agencies across Wayne, um, Wayne County. And that's really because this is a system meant for people that are low income and it's a lot of a lot of need right now in that community. Mm-hmm. So um, there will be a wait list that you're going to encounter. However, um, it's still good to have some kind of um, access to a therapist rather than doing nothing at all. So even if that wait list says, I can't see you until a month out, that's better than what you've been going through the last few weeks. <laughs> so um, I will just prep you for that. There's more than likely going to be a wait list because there are not a lot of people in need. If you call up your insurance, if you look on the number on your insurance card, you can call them, ask them, I need some mental health services. Can you tell me what my insurance accepts? Who is the closest to me? And they should be able to help you out with that as well. If you just call your insurance company, um, that's probably one of the easiest ways to avoid extra fees. Um, when it comes down to private insurance, if you get work um, insurance from your job, first of all, if you have a full-time job and you have benefits, you can ask your job if they have a program. Um, I think it's called like an e- EAP. EAP program, yes. <laughs> EAP program. Um, and that is where you can get employee. It's an employee assistance program where if you are suffering from mental health um, problems, your job will pay for those first few sessions, maybe like 12 sessions, I want to say, 10 or 12 sessions. You have to kind of contact your employer about it. But you can go to your HR department, ask them about an EAP program, and see if they offer that service. More than likely, they can offer it to you virtually. There are a lot of options you can get access with. You don't have to go into an office if you don't feel comfortable. You can do it from the comfort of your home, go on your phone, your laptop, um, whatever you need to be able to access these services. Um, there are a lot of opportunities. If you're in mm-hmm. Oakland County, Macomb County, just kind of search up those names like CMH. I'm not as familiar with those counties because I don't work there um, in those counties, but you can definitely just look it up like Oakland County, Washtenaw County, um, Macomb County, and look up CMH beside it. If you are a person who has like Medicaid or Medicare, things like that, you can easily find um, access to those services by looking up Community Mental Health Agency. Um, or mm-hmm. you can go to Psychology Today. Like Dee Dee said, there's also something called Therapy for Black Girls, and those are all black women therapists that service different realms of therapy. And then you can look it up by insurance, you can look it up by location, and different things. So just kind of plan around with the system. It can be daunting. Mm-hmm. It can be exhausting sometimes to so search for a therapist. Um, I will say that it's not going to be the easiest walk in the park, but don't give up because yeah, you'll run up. across somebody who's mm-hmm. able to help. So, and I can tell you to highlight that, too. Um, yeah. Since pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, a lot of therapists have started doing um, or getting clearances to do more teletherapy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that there are um, networks. If you just Google um, text therapy, mm-hmm. they have mm. apps and programs to where you can just text therapists. I am a part of uh, one network out here in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, And the other unique thing that I do like about the teletherapy that is becoming a lot more popular is the fact that a lot of counselors now are getting certified in other states to where they can cross Mm -hmm. national and state lines to be more of a resource. Other thing is, and I can't remember it off the tip of my tongue, um, but I just learned about it. There are, there is a group of counselors that are coming together to do free sessions. Mm. So they're doing pro bono 
sessions and it's considered a tax write-off. This was more of a concept to give back to the community post-pandemic because mental health really went through the roof. Mm -hmm. So just play around on Google to see what, you know, some of those services look like because they are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we can do, we should do a follow-up. and Maybe Mm -hmm. we can do like a resource sheet and maybe share that in like future reference. But like, yes, there are Mm -hmm. some really unique programs out there that also just don't focus on insurance, um, yeah. The text therapy is super dope. Um, a lot of times, most people just want to be heard. Yeah. So, um, definitely look into those other resources. I love doing teletherapy. Like, love it. I do. But anyways. <laughs> and also, I forgot, you brought up a good point. Um, the telehealth, not telehealth, the CMH agency, they do do general funds. So, if you don't have insurance, they won't turn you away. Um you can still get funds from that, and it'll be probably a certain amount of sessions that you could get, but that could be a start to a path that you could, um, you know, get the help that you need. Just have a listening ear, someone that's going to be there to prepare you, get you some skills in. And if they know that you're general funds and they know that you're, um, you don't have insurance, they're probably going to go straight into that skill building. So it's really good to just still try it out, even if you're a little discouraged. Keep trying because there's going to be something that you're going to come across one day that'll, um, that'll help you out. Um, as far as like the platforms, the telehealth platforms, you got things like Talkspace, um, Headspace, um, different things. And you can like Google that too. Like what are the virtual therapy platforms that you can go to? Um, I don't know as as much about them as far as like insurance and like how, how they really typically do it, but there are options out there. So I don't think there's a lack of access. As we were talking about earlier, there's a lack of knowledge and a lack of awareness and trust in the system. And now um, being able to actually utilize the services that are there are going to be the key. Absolutely. And don't forget to reiterate, uh, we're redefining the word strong. I redefining, like yes. That was, Period. Let's repeat that. That was, that. That was, that was pure, Emphasis. pure goal when you said that. That will be this title. <laughs> redefining have y'all seen um my girls y'all know the girl off insecure the the friend off insecure not Issa, but her friend um yes. she has a comedy show out right now a new comedy show on hbo yes. that is the most i felt like i was being molly, read right it's molly yeah, um, oh molly yeah molly oh, yeah, yeah. yes molly. the person who plays molly i forgot her yeah. name i know her name i just can't think of it right now <laughs> but like she has a, um i'm gonna look it up because y'all need to watch this um insecure and she has a comedy show out right now and i felt red i was like oh girl is you in my life or not because she was like really really highlighting that mental health piece of it too in that show it was funny but it was also like dang this ain't too funny because it's me right now um but it was a good show and she just really highlighted that for for women as you were saying for that push that you give yourself and it's, it's good y'all should go watch that um yvonne yvonne orgy that's her name Okay, so we gonna look, I'm gonna go watch that. Maybe not tonight. It's late. <laughs> it is late. It is. Um, but yeah. Okay, so what was the, what was the other topic? Domestic um, violence. Yes. So I know that we usually talk about <laughs> the other species on this earth. <laughs> Can we say that word? Talk okay. About <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. And we usually talk about relationships and this, that, and the other, but 
we do want to, um, you know, put put everything out there. Like we put everything on the floor. So you gotta my, put it on the floor. We gotta put everything on the floor. <laughs> you know, we gotta we gotta we can't leave some things out. We have to talk about everything. So, I mean, I know everybody didn't probably I mean maybe not everybody. <laughs> I know I have been in toxic situations. Toxic. But the thing is, we gotta like. As far as this mental health thing, that is part of like mental health. Trying to get out of a toxic relationship, mm -hmm. like it's it is hard. It's it's easier said than done. Everybody be like, "I'll oh, just leave that nigga alone." Da, 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 da. It's it's not that simple. It's not always the case, you know. And it and it does become uh, mentally draining, like. And it's just, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. I don't, I'm not a specialist. I don't, I really don't know what it is, but uh, maybe, maybe Jessica can, can iterate on it. I don't, I don't know what it is, but you really have to be a strong minded person. I know we're trying to redefine this word, but <laughs> you really have to be a strong minded person and really have the, um, the knowledge to know that what you're, first of all, what you're going through. It's not okay, mm -hmm. and it's okay to talk about it and to get help. Um, some people don't make it out of it, but mm. we here to like try to give some resources to make it out of it. Yeah, um, I think mm, were you asking about like the vic like the survivors of domestic violence, like the people who experienced it, or like the people doing it? Both. Both. Because okay. because because oh. let's not let's not get it confused obviously it's a mental health also it but is you're committing the it actual does. yeah you're committing to actually not not to give excuses mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it is a real thing that is a real no, that's it, a real diagnosis it is. yeah as a domestic violence advocate so i've been working with the ywca mm -hmm. for the last six years yes. um mm -hmm. i'm gonna give you just a little snippet of my story diana knows me very well this um, is how we met she was there throughout some of my hard times mm -hmm. but that's what prompted me to become an advocate as well as go back to school and um help people do better than what i did okay mm -hmm. so and I, and I say that lightly because um I loved I loved my children's father, loved him. Um, we were together for six years and um, very abusive, very toxic, physical, emotional, sexually. Um, and the day that I walked away was the day that he snapped and almost killed me. And I can tell you that as an advocate of domestic violence, that is the most dangerous part of mm -hmm. really in um, a domestic relationship is when the victim really is ready to walk away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, that, that assailant loses that control. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. When I started advocating, I did have to get to the root of what even attracted me to something like that. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times um, we ignore those signs because why um, love, Lust, whatever. You oh, want to call it. it's it's not even love. I'm a, I'm gonna give you one deeper. Trauma. Mm -hmm. So it, it's rooted back to our childhood, what mm -hmm. we advocate and what we see growing up. So yeah. I grew up seeing my dad abuse my mom. Mm. And when you see certain things in your childhood, you tend to it, it's I I like to call it generational curses. Okay. It is. Uh -huh. And um, I thought it was a form of love. You know, 
And then you think about the cultural root of it. Most black men don't know how to express real genuine love because they've been suppressed of it for over 100 years. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the blind leading the blind. Mm -hmm. And when I started really educating myself and understanding my trauma and understanding what my childhood looked like, that is when I forgave that man. But then that was also when I started getting to a point where I need to educate and advocate for women and say, hey, I truly have been there. Um, It wasn't easy. Um, I literally almost lost my life. Mm -hmm. And here I am seven years later. I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. And so when I advocate for women, the reality of it is it is redefining that strong word, but it's really understanding the root of how they got into it and finding that inner strength to say, I can surpass this. Yeah. And they have to feel it and believe it and want it. They have to want it more for themselves than anybody else mm-hmm. in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I never understood it until I, I was in the trenches with it. You know, people are like, why don't you just leave T, leave T. Well, I had to grow tired for myself and love me more than what people wanted to love me for. Mm -hmm. So you're talking trauma. You're talking worthiness, value. You got to see value within yourself. Mm. You got to see light at that tunnel without anybody else painting that picture or narrative for you. And it's a lot more that, that roots into it. And I can tell you a lot of times the system is the other issue. Yeah. They set us up for failure. Oh, my god. You know, there are no um, victim protections. You know, we say, oh, go in the courtroom and point them out. No one wants to go and point out the person who just traumatized them. You're Mm re-traumatizing the victims. And a PPO? A PPO is a joke. And so, as advocates, it really is. Sorry, my dog is on me. It really is a 24-7 job. My phone does not stop ringing. When a victim says, hey, I need a ride, I'm running, I'm on my way. Because it's yeah. life or death at that point. Yeah. And, and then you're having these serious conversations. But the reality of it is most people don't want to hear it. What they want to hear is, is I'm tired. What, what can you do now? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And then that's when I know for sure I have that victim secured. I'm ready to relocate yeah. them. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. And then I'm walking them through that court process. And then I'm advocating for them with that witness protection saying, hey, what can we do with the charges that are being brought or whatever <clears throat> to not bring this person into the courtroom with this assailant? It's not fair. It's not okay. Mm. And it just, it, it really does stem back to so many variables mm-hmm. when it comes to domestic violence. It's so deep-rooted. Yeah. It's very deep-rooted. Mm-hmm. I, I, that is really where my passion came from mm-hmm. as to how I got in the helping profession. Like, my domestic situation really opened my eyes that I should have fresh charges against someone who's still out here abusing women. That's the sad part. And so those are those, you know, uh, future traumas that we have to carry with. You know, every time I see that man get arrested or hear about it, I'm like, I should have done the right thing. But that's not your behavior. I want to stop that because that's him. That it has nothing to do with him. But but see, that's me re-victimizing myself. Mm -hmm. And this is where in my advocacy, we have to be true to ourselves, right? Yeah. That's. It, it never goes away. You know, there's walls, there's barriers, there's re-fears. I haven't been in a relationship until now. Hmm. 
It's been seven years. This is the first. Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. lot of growth. Yeah. And self-healing and self-loving that really goes into it when it comes to domestic violence victims. And I'll let somebody else talk. Well, yeah. well I like the fact that you said um, that it stems from childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Childhood traumas can go into our adulthood and how we react to things that um, we encounter. So, like, for you, you said seeing dv at a young age you thought it was kind of okay like you knew it was wrong but but you was acceptable to it right so you took that into your adulthood and you you were um victimized in that way another spectrum of that is something i would like to say like depending on your childhood traumas it could rob you of your true self and i always Mm. say that because that's the route you took and then other routes like in my case seeing dv growing up Instead of me being that um, individual that allows someone to abuse me, I took the other spectrum, the other direction, and another route hmm. as of, okay, I'm going to be this, you know, standoff person, put this wall up, be very, you know, um, protective, overly protective at times. And it caused me to be so hard in certain mm. aspects that that caused also... Um, issues in my adulthood when it came to relationships as well with trusting and I was my own turmoil when it came to relationships as well and I didn't realize until I took a step back got some counseling Mm. and realized okay my past traumas from my childhood crept into my my adult life and it did interfere with when I had relationships I didn't become the one that was victim become a victim in that sense but I became a victim on my own self because I trauma I was the uh I want I, I, I don't want to use the word downfall but I was the the cause of some of my failed relationships because of how I was towards that man you know mm-hmm. and it's only because it was me overly protecting myself because I was afraid to even be vulnerable mm-hmm. enough to become I felt like on the other side right to be physically mentally abused right so I get that wholeheartedly. Um, I, I always use that, you know, my past traumas, mm-hmm. It to me, I feel like robbed me of my true self. Because, mm-hmm. like, who's to say I would not have been that this person if I was in a different environment as a child and seemed different, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I'm, yeah. past traumas do, do have an effect on who you are as an adult. Absolutely. But once you realize that and you seek the the proper help and you work on those things not to say it's going to be easy it's still oh, it's be not a easy battle, but <laughs> as long as you realize that and seek the help things do get better yeah, yeah. but that's only if you recognize that mm-hmm. you do have an issue right a person it's gotta so see it they, they for sure gotta see it mm-hmm. they gotta want it more than the other the, the support that they got around them wanted to you know I, i've been following Krishan or chris what is it, Krishan, Christine, Chris- and Blueface? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yes. I'm for that girl. Yeah. But you know what? I'm glad that she's getting to a point where she can publicly display it because she's growing closer to being tired. Hopefully. Mm. I don't know. It, I'm telling you, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it is. It's levels to it. Yeah. I swear. And then you got the seven stages of, of grief where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, but I miss him and I need to go back. But then you're like, I'm going to kill him. And then you're like, <laughs> I'm hurt and sad. It's yeah, real. those stages yeah. are stages very real. And, and I can tell you that Amen. each time 
um, you know, uh, in, uh, interaction happens, it does escalate. It is so real. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it until, you know, you start looking back. But when when you start publicly displaying it, it's not for attention. Mm-hmm. It's because we are lost, mm-hmm. so far gone, mm-hmm. that all we know is to publicly try to figure out how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So pray for that girl. I'm praying for it, y'all. Definitely I'm praying, praying for her. I love her. Yeah. I, I do too. She just lost. She but is, she also she need is. to keep her hands to herself. And see, that's the flip side. A lot of men are victims too. And Absolutely. they don't come forward. They do, And that's where I, I want to touch on that part. Because hold on, hold I want to... I know, no, what you said? I know. I'm just saying, you know. We can come back after the break. That flip side. Yeah. <laughs> that flip side, Dee Dee. Yeah, I know. No, we for sure going to talk about it. But we just got to go on break real quick. No, you feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, y'all. <laughs> Put it on the floor. Hey. I swear to God, they do this every Put time. Put it on the floor. Every time. Welcome to Put It on the Floor. We are back with your host. <laughs> hey, y'all. Oh, trying to cut it so I, I hate to be, hey, hey, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Didi, I did not know this was two hours. You no. didn't tell me that. I'm so sorry. I sure did it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely you right. did. <laughs> I, I do gotta cut out. That's fine. That's fine. Love. But thank it was you such for a pleasure being yeah. on this. I absolutely. appreciate y'all. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you we for appreciate sharing. it so much. For sure. I love you, Didi. Love you more. Bye, girl. Bye. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, what was we talking about? <laughs> So we picking up where we left off or y'all want to go into something different? Because I can go into the signs of all this because y'all need to be aware. What is okay, domestic violence? Okay, and they do? They do. And do. And is. And so domestic... Talk about it, sis. Lay it on. Put it on the flow. <laughs> Put on the flow. And so domestic abuse, when you think of that, what y'all think of when you hear domestic abuse? What do you usually think about? Fighting. Fighting. Fighting, um, verbal abuse. Verbal um, emotional disconnect mm. um because that could be that could be you know for somebody if that's that love language that that could be a part of it too um what's the love language i mean like having like that that time with that person like be, somebody is very affectionate or somebody that's just like don't touch me mm. knowing good and well that's what you you love like that's that's mm. a very mild like part of like you know. So what's worse? Physical abuse or mental abuse? I think it's equal. I ain't even gonna lie. No, it's definitely equal. I don't think it is a worse because some people only experience emotional abuse and that's like a lot. That can be a lot. If they only experience financial abuse, that means you stuck in that situation. So it's Mm -hmm. like physical abuse is one part of it, but it ain't even just about the physical. It can lead to a lot. Because that could, you can heal from that faster than you can heal from a mental mm. and then also yeah like some people just you know you can get numb to that but it's but honestly it's on both both spectrums like emotionally now you can cut off emotionally you yeah. know 
So I think it's, I very much think it's. I definitely think it's both. I don't think there's a worse for physical and emotional abuse. Abuse is abuse. And at the point at which you create that idea that one is worse, that's where you get stuck. Because a lot of people don't even think they're in a domestic abuse situation because they only thinking, oh, he ain't hit me or I hit Mm -hmm. him back. And that's Mm -hmm. still abuse, sis. Like, that's still something that you're experiencing. If he's controlling you, if he's, like, um, calling you down and, like, telling you you ain't nothing and, like, all this other stuff... All of that is still abuse. Mm-hmm. It is not different because he didn't hit you or because you didn't hit him. Um, sexual abuse, I think Tamara uh, mentioned that. Sexual mm-hmm. abuse, being forced to do something, even if y'all are in a relationship, if you didn't want to have still, sex, it's still that is abuse. Yes. That is forceful. Uh, that is force. There is a such thing as being raped while you're married. Literally. You can be raped while Absolutely. you're married. Like, oh, I can't believe I ever even heard that before. Like, mm. I was like. You can definitely be raped in marriage. And I could. It's still a murder if I murder you if you're married. To death do us part. Ooh. So, I Uh-oh. mean. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. That was I'm a just, hard that that right. <laughs> So, <laughs> when you're talking about thing. abuse in itself, abuse would be anything that you feel threatened, controlled, <clears> in, <throat> some, in some expect. And I mentioned financial abuse because for some people, if you're in a relationship and let's say your partner is telling you you can't get a job, you're not supposed to be working, that is abuse. That mm-hmm. is something where they're controlling you and preventing you from being able to support Very yourself. Mm-hmm. So now you're stuck there. You're stuck in that situation. And now, and, and, and Tamara, she mentioned this before she left off. It can go both ways. It can mm-hmm. go both ways, like if a male or female. Female, mm-hmm. w- women are not the only people abused in domestic violence situations. Mm-hmm. Um, using privilege for different things. Intimidation in some expect, like... Whether you're doing a loud voice, because some people do have trauma. We talked about that before the break. When you have trauma, you're, you go back to that place of trauma where it started. And for you, uh, Portia, you felt okay enough to mention this. If you can think back to when you were a kid and you witnessed that, how did you respond? Were you in like a fight, flight mode? Oh. When, can when, you hear me, Portia? Don't, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's like frozen, though, but I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Now, can you repeat the question? I said, if you feel comfortable sharing, when you experienced that as a kid, like seeing DV, how did you respond as a kid? Were you the kid who hid? Were you the kid who fought back? Were you the kid who protected? Because you were the oldest. You were. Are you the oldest sibling? You're the oldest sibling. I am the oldest. Exactly. Uh, so how did you respond? Honestly, uh, from seeing it for so long, like, honestly, from as young as I can remember, right? It wasn't much I can do because I was a child, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I remember at one point, I was 12 years old, and it got to a point where I just got tired of having my siblings come in my room because they're crying and mm. they're scared, or even my mother, right? Yeah. After the fact of any things that happened, and I'm, she's confiding in me. I'm holding her. Parentification. And it, like, so that just hardened, hardened me, honestly. And it just got to the point where one time it was an incident, uh, active incident that was going on and my siblings came and got me and told me that mom and uh, her person at the time was fighting. So at that point, I, just, I feel like I just had enough and I reacted out of anger. Mm-hmm. And I took a broomstick, went upstairs and got the beating this man in the head, mm-hmm. you know? But Period. And it got to the point, but what really hurt me is that my mom told me to stay in a child's place. Mm. So I said... You know, because I'm like, here you are, you know, to me, back then, I'm thinking from what I was thinking about back then, it's like, here you are, 
allowing this man to do this, you're not the only one being hurt by this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We're being hurt because we got to see you like this. I'm being hurt because I got to be the strong one mm. and and hold you at night because you do, you know then then went through this thing and you telling me to stay in a child's place like mm. so that just really hurt me and how I reacted to it. Yeah, I became very violent and angered. I was angry a lot. I fought a lot in school, outside of school. I didn't laugh a lot. Like mm. I, I was just, I was just angry. I was an angry child. And I asked you that because when I say that you go back to that place of trauma, that's where your you were already in a traumatic situation, but your reaction started there, and that's where mm. you kept developing that that trauma response. You were like, I'm in fight mode. I'm in fight mode forever because that's all I've, I've known to do. And that's what typically happens when you're in a situation. So Tamara, she hopped off, but she might have been in a situation where maybe she maybe she hid. Maybe she just kind of froze or maybe she didn't know what to do. So her reaction could be different from yours because we all respond exactly. differently to trauma. And so exactly. for you, you fought. You were like, I'm a fighter. Because you wanted to survive. You wanted to be able to survive yes. that. And some people, when you have trauma... Um, I don't know how many people are actually aware of this. I didn't learn about it till college, but like you have a fight, flight, fight, flight, or freeze response, and what mm -hmm. you, which means you literally fight in some form. You're like aggressive. You're trying to make a way out. You might freeze where you can like, you don't know what to do or how to react, or you might um, flee. You're running. You're trying to. You're speeding off. You're you're anxious. You're doing different things just to kind of as a response to that trauma, and mm -hmm. so. In your case, it was a, a flight mode. But as soon as you were able to, as soon as you got to that response, that's something that stuck with you because it was a learned survival technique. Exactly. And that's what happens it, it with domestic me violence. For a very long time. Mm -hmm. like, I took on yeah. this persona of being the protector. Right? Protector. For one, I was the old, oldest sibling. So that just falls in line with that anyway. Yeah. And then I was thrown into that role because I see my mom so broke down you know, physically and mentally, and I, I had to be the one that be, I felt like I had to take on that role to be the one that was strong mm -hmm. in our household, because it was a single-parent household, so it was just, I, that played a lot, you know, um, in the way of how I grew up and my mentality on things, and, and it became, and me and Diddy, we've had these talks many, many times about yeah. how it's hard for us to be vulnerable, because of these things and mm -hmm. that's something I'm still sure, working on too. today to be honest <laughs> that, that is something I'm truly still working on we today like even with my husband I find myself at times not being as uh, mm. vulnerable or you know affectionate or whatever but he's super affectionate he's like super lovey-dovey but he grew up in a, that was a learned behavior he grew up yeah. in a very ugly home where they hug each other when they first come in, tell each other they love them all the time and stuff like that. That's something I was not accustomed to. Exactly. So for me to be with somebody that's like that, it was uncomfortable for me. It's like, why are you like you this? You know, um, to get used to because the, it was, I wasn't used to that. Mm -hmm. Even with guys that I dealt with beforehand because they were more on the nonchalant side. So it was cool to me because we kind of seen eye to eye. That was, that was okay with me, but Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that is definitely trauma. <laughs> it is trauma, and like I was saying, I've, I my therapist, she was like, "You need to work on vulnerability," and I was like, "Girl, I'm vulnerable. I'm a therapist," and she's like, "No, you need to work on being more vulnerable." And I was like, "Sis, I am." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she would Maybe give examples. <laughs> 
<laughs> made me sympathetic. <laughs> um, and she's like, no. And so I'm right along with you, Portia. Kevin is like literally the complete opposite of me when it comes to like sharing emotions. He's so expressive. And I'm like, what's wrong so, with you? Yes. Like, what is going on? <laughs> why are you sharing so much? And why are you feeling so much? I don't feel this. <laughs> I don't feel these things. Um, oh, shit. I ain't that bad. But yeah. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> it was bad for me and so i i had to like redefine what that means and like rebuilding that trust because for me i didn't experience dv in my life but i didn't have a father in my life at all i have a sperm donor that i call and refer to so like i didn't have him in prison in my life so for me i never knew what a man was supposed to be like what a partner was supposed to be like and so i blacked it off i was like niggas ain't I don't know what I could say on the radio. Niggas ain't Whatever. nothing. And so, um, oh, Destiny joined him. They're, they're not anything. And that was my idea of it. And so I knew that I had to be strong and, like, be able to take care of myself and be an independent woman because that's what I was raised to do. You're going to be successful regardless of a man. And so that was my mentality moving forward. So when I finally got a man, he's like, I can be there for you. I can do these things to help you. And I can, like be there and I'm like no I got it myself I can do all of this myself and so when he was offering that he <laughs> he told me he was like I don't think you trust me I was like I do trust you I trust you a lot like I you're that conversation you're my husband and he's like I don't think you trust me and I'm like why do you say this and he's like because you're still trying to plan these things out without um you know allow me to step in and so when my I brought that to my therapist's attention and she was like well have you ever thought about the fact of how it makes him feel when you are always trying to do things on your own and like never allowing him to do it? And I was like, well, no, <laughs> I never thought about I that because I, I was so lie. focused on me. <laughs> and so, I got that bad because it come to the top. It come a point where I have a problem with the. It's like it's like you used to being your own person, right? Yes. Strong, independent, all that stuff, right? So you used to being in control. It's the point where you feel like you have to you have to let go some yes. things and not be in control of it, and it gives me anxiety. Yeah. Yes, this anxiety, anxiety, the control. It gives anxiety, me anxiety is control. Because when I do it, I know it's gonna be done right. It's mm -hmm. gonna be done on time. It's gonna be done to my standard, which is the highest standard. My the highest. You know what I'm saying? So like it. So I <laughs> I I totally agree. We we came to a point like that in my marriage as well, when it was like. I'll tell him, he'd be like, okay, babe, I got this. I'm going to take care of this. And I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> but on the back end, I already got a plan. On B, literally, I got a plan. So you already did this? I'm like, oh, yeah, because I thought you was busy. I'm trying to, you know, make mm. excuses. Like, oh, I thought you was busy. He was like, no, babe, I told you I was going to do he that. He did, but, and it's not our time. But timing. because he wasn't moving at the speed that I wanted him to do it in. Mm -hmm. or, so I, I got anxiety. I'm like, okay, it's not going to happen. And it's not so even him. Really yeah, it's anxiety. It. But granted, I never thought about how that made him feel as, like, mm -hmm. she feel like I, I can't, can't do handle, it. take care of my family. She feel like I can't. When she gave me a task, and I'm not going to complete it. Mm. And that was wrong on my end. Once he expressed that to me, either. we sat down to talk about it. Exactly. And I looked at it from his perspective. I understood. And I said, just bear with me, baby. Period. Patience. It's going to take some time. He was like, and I understand that because of how you are. Mm -hmm. I just need you to understand how I am. That's and I was like, mm. that's the only way it's going to so. work. If and so now we're just working on trying to, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only reason that's all I married. Huh? <laughs> See, I feel, I feel like that's the only reason. 
that y'all are married I'm not. <laughs> yeah. No, because it was an understanding on both Because who told you to get married without us at first? And then you want to go, don't worry about it. That's, that's for another talk. Hold on. <laughs> what know? happened? I mean, she ain't no better. She not that much older than what I was. See, but I know it was the person. Really? It was really? The, yeah. Ava's. 24. Four. Yes. I remember. Yes, yes. Hey, girl. <laughs> You popped up in here? Mm. <laughs> oh, nice. We have all been married, guys. You look good. Uh, all of I like the sweater. You're looking. You. I think I got a turtleneck. <laughs> it is a turtleneck, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now she looking real modest today. You're looking real modest. Covered up. But no, I think but it's yeah. yeah. I don't know because it it was more from like I took him. I can you know take the blame for that. I we were straight out of high school, so it was like oh, okay. I didn't give him time to be a man. I didn't have you know. I mean, he didn't have the greatest <laughs> father figure. I mean, so mm -hmm. it's like like y'all said, it's like that learned behavior. So of course I ignored all the red flags, every last one of them. He ignore mine. <laughs> I mean, and it was more like, mm -hmm. and then we all say like, um, putting trust. I, I'm the opposite. I put so much trust in people too fast. I just be like, here, do it. But then when the lights get cut off, I'm like, now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> okay, now is my turn. But I think I'm the opposite now. But I think that's why I'm really more like hard to love now what the fuck is I don't think you're hard to love I think you've been through a lot of things and things have like made you question what people are like and that's Absolutely. like because you've been through a lot and so when it comes down to it you are the oldest child as well you're the yeah. oldest child and you took on responsibilities as the oldest child to be a caregiver and you care about people and so with him you cared a lot about him because you felt what he had to go through in his relationship without his dad without his mom being present all that stuff took a toll and you're like I'm his person and what you becoming his person he had things that he took advantage of and saw in his life too I can give that he had a lot of that he went through in his life but he dealt with it in a different way and that's when you get back to that domestic abuse abuse situation that that cycle of, of abuse because he took what his situation was and used it as a as ammo to for you and so because you're a person who cares a lot, you're like, no, I just want to help you. I want you to get to where you are. I know your potential, and I know where you mm -hmm. can be. I see where you can be as a man, and, like, I want to help you get there. And he wasn't there yet. And like Tamara said, it's not just one way. Both people have to see and recognize that there is a problem. Not just the, the survivor or victim, but the person doing that, too, has to recognize that there is an issue. Mm -hmm. And so he never got there. Yeah. And he's still not there today. And so um, you are at a place where you, you are understanding of it. You understand that there are some things that you did. And I understand. And that's also a response, too. Knowing that, okay, I'm going to try and protect myself this time around because I didn't do it right the first time. Mm -hmm. That kind of mentality. But at the end of the day, you are reacting to uh, a trauma. And that is not fair to you to limit yourself because, like, the potential of what could be because of what you've experienced. You can be cautious. You can still take measures. But, like, noticing the green flags of what this person is doing for you, if they are, if they are giving you what you need, and your relationship in ways that you have never gotten before, that is what you should be focusing on, too. 
I don't think he ever did that. Mm-hmm. I've known him since the same, like, since he was in high, the same amount of time you've known him pre- pretty much. <laughs> and so, I don't remember him. There were, obviously, y'all had y'all little pillow talk moments, so obviously something was there. <laughs> but, like, um, I don't, I couldn't say that he was in the same space. So, that's something you also have to recognize is, like, how much is this person, like, giving you what you need? And how much of it is, like, something you can work on? Because Kevin could have been left me. <laughs> like, he could have been, like, I'm done with you. Because the red flags might have been a lot for him. But he also saw a lot of green flags and support for mm-hmm. him. And he stayed. And I used to be bucking against it because I'm like, I don't even deserve this man. Shout out to Kevin. Shout out to Kevin. <laughs> Shout out to my real life. Shout out to my man, my husband. Oh. And so. <laughs> my man, my man, my man. My man. <laughs> and so, yes, I felt I was at a place where I feel like I didn't deserve him because I was like, mm-hmm. no, I don't even think I deserve this guy, like, who's treated me so well. And it's like, but no, you do. And he sees that. He's known me since I was 14 years old. And so he knows the kind of person that I am before we even got into a relationship. For me, a relationship was a nuance. It was something I didn't really know or under, understand um, because I had never been around. I've never seen a healthy relationship. And so I make it a point when I have my nieces, when I have my little cousins, they see us together because they can see a healthier relationship uh, going around. You will know what a healthy relationship looks like. I get them not often as I want to, but I get them in enough time where they like, where's Kevin? And so you can see like this healthy relationship being built because I've never seen that. I've never seen a healthy relationship put in front of me. That is true. Come on. That is true. I'm still thinking. That is. Right now. Yeah. Thinking in your head, who was a healthy relationship that we've ever seen? No offense to anybody watching. Honestly, I've only saw one. I've saw one and I, I call him my uh, I called my uncle Jeff, and he was my uh, old high school assistant basketball mm. coach, who, who's still in my life today. Like, hence why I call my uncle Jeff, because um, he treats me like me. But that was the only man that I saw have a healthy marriage mm. and showed me what like love was. Like, he was the only person I felt like in my life, growing up as a, a young um, adolescent, um, to show me what it meant what it felt like to be loved by a male figure, you know? Because I can go mm. and talk to him about certain things, to give me advice, and he just, he gives me that. Baby girl, you need anything? Okay, you know what I'm saying? It was just, it was like, for me, it was like my father figure, honestly. Mm. And a, a very positive guy, very positive role model. Still to this day, big ups to Uncle Jeff. Like, big ups, Uncle as Jeff? Was, yeah, as if he was my blood uncle, because he showed me what, a stand-up guy looks like, mm-hmm. honestly and truly. Mm. He was one of the people when I brought my husband home for the first time. Like, brought my husband. Nah, you got to get checked off by Uncle Jeff. And if he ain't with it, I'm sorry. This, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to have to talk because he going to let me know. <laughs> and um, so that that's the only relationship I ever saw. And that wasn't until I was, what, like 15, 16. And I really and you're already experienced. So he, wasn't in my ho- he wasn't in my household, you know? Which mm. is fine. Or in my immediate family. Yeah, which is fine because you... It was so much happening in your household. Even if you did have both parents in the house, that still can be traumatic because yeah. they're unhealthy. But, you know, having that peace outside, outlet, man, ain't nothing like it. Not that I really have I'm it. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> but like that's, it. mm, it's so tough. And mm-hmm. I just feel like um, you never know until you know, like, what that even looks like. So the fact that we all had different reactions to 
trauma responses and I use the word trauma I've been using the word trauma a lot because I need people to know that trauma is real and it happens it's not just a car accident or like sexual abuse or physical abuse trauma is a lot mm -hmm. trauma is um trauma is grief and grief um Tamara mentioned the seven stages of grief grief before with like some domestic violence victims but grief can be anything if you're if you're thinking about a loss in any way you done lost your job you done lost a close friend you done lost and not just like death but like you've like lost contact with them or like cut it out of your life in some form that is a loss and you're grieving it in some form so you're going to experience those stages and that's kind of what happens when you jump into different relationships you're grieving like what is what am i even experiencing right now i don't even know what this is i'm losing myself or like whatever that self could be and it could be a scary thing it could be a very scary thing to experience and so now you're fighting all these stages i'm angry i'm depressed i'm sad i'm like questioning i'm bargaining if i do this then this will happen and like all these other things are going on in your head and it's like you're literally going through those stages you're going through each of those stages and at some point you're at acceptance and i can honestly fully say that i'm at an acceptance stage with like where i am in my relationship i feel like we're at a really good place right now um, in our lives and it took a lot to get there we're in our seventh year we'll be in our eighth year in April and it's like uh, it's a lot <laughs> it is a lot to deal with and so being able to recognize that there are some things that you have to work on in your relationship that is normal being patient if you're able to sit there with that person and like work on it do it but if you find that that person is not compromising with you, that person is not doing what you need to do, that is a, a cycle that you have to recognize. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand, you have to put yourself first and be able to say, this is not what I'm, I'm not benefiting, benefiting from this. I'm not getting anything out of this situation. Um, I am... You have to see, put yourself in a perspective of a friend. If you can say whatever I've been through, and you can say, oh, if my friend was doing the same situation, I would tell them something differently than what I'm telling myself. That is where you need to start questioning because you, you don't, we don't give each other, ourselves grace. We don't give ourselves enough grace. We always think that we um, have to do better or be better or we're different. But it's not different. If you think about everything you've been through and you consider it about a friend, you will have so much more empathy. You'll have so much more understanding for them. You will start questioning and looking at things differently. And so when you look at it different, I've been through, you will be like, I've been through a lot of stuff. I've been through a lot. I've undergone a lot. Once you look at it from the perspective of if my friend told me this story right now of my life, I would be like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what is going on with this person's life? And you would give yourself a lot more kindness and grace. Um, so that's something to, to consider. Absolutely. I love it here. <laughs> Therapy. I'm so sad. Yeah, like, Everybody needs This is free healing session right now. Free Absolutely. healing. Just being able, just being able to talk it, it, it feels good. Yeah. Honestly. If anybody want to chime in that's listening, just, just let us know. Let us know. You know, hold on. Um, are we accepting phone calls? Yes. If um, anybody want to chime in, y'all want some, have any questions for our Sunfire Therapist here. <laughs> you can call us at 313-868-0331. Oh, we got a number? Yeah. Okay. You know the number is crazy. That's, I did not think you knew the number. number. No, I'm looking at it. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you don't know the number. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You may have to put that on the floor, though. <laughs> yes, I did. That's the put number. it on the floor. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but, yeah. Dada, you came in late? 
Absolutely. How you doing this evening? Listen, I'm, I'm a little behind. I don't know what time it was. What time is it, y'all? Well, yeah, we had, earlier we had touched on, we, we needed you for, like, um, to touch on the ADHD mm-hmm. portion. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. It's the face well, it's what that's struggling. like. Yeah, like, what's your experience with that? Like, it's, it's something serious, y'all. I ain't even gonna lie to you. Like, I read up on it a lot, and... Oh, you did some research. I seen, I seen me and what I was reading. So, basically... Mm. Like, it is complicated um, keeping friendships or keeping relationships or keeping anything. Like, keeping up with something is complicated. Yeah, being very, I don't know how to explain this. Like, I always have these feelings where I feel down or something out of nowhere. Awesome. So. Yeah, okay, hear me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We just blame you speak, baby. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. But yeah. It definitely involves depression. It involves you can't focus for nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely involves like it's it's a lot, but what I is feel it? Like is it affecting anything? Yep. Huh? Like what parts of your life is it affecting? Like I heard you say, um, Relationships and friendships. Uh. Yeah, relationships, friendships, um, jobs. Um, it costs a lot, actually. Like, what should be doing time, though? I, okay, either, even if I'm, I feel like my concentration be off. Like when I, when it comes to doing something I'm interested in, yes, I could do, but. Once I get tired of it, I'm not gonna be focused on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's. I don't like to be. I like to be consistent with things, but if I don't like it, if I'm just doing it to do it, I'm definitely. If I'm not enjoying it, you feel me? I'm not. I'm not gonna be focused on this. I should be. I mean, how do you how do you how do you deal with um um relationships and ADHD, or how do you cope with it in your day to day life, like? You know, I'm supposed to be medicated, <laughs> but I don't do that every day. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> Man, me too. I, said, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you thought I was saying something else. <laughs> yeah. What you, how you just cope before you hopped on this call? <laughs> right. Nah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like from my actual doctor. I've been going to a psychiatrist when I was a kid, so I had that always. It was always in a part of me, like the medication. It always changed, of course, but as I got older and so started, if, you if you're not using your actual right medication, how do you, like my question is, how do you cope with? So. I feel like if you if you used to taking the medication and you decide you want to get off of it and you not really ready, it's not good. Don't try it because then you you just gonna be starting all over with whatever you just started. So, like trying to be get used to get the medication in your system, make you feel like you. Cause for one, when I take that medicine, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel like I can do anything in the world. Like 
I'll be feeling like I'm super moved. Like, my speed get better. Like, I concentrate better. I feel like... So you pro I'm me. You, you're, pro, you're more productive. Pro yeah, I get way more productive. I'm, I'm me, but I'm not me. Like, I'm not going to be the jittery person, the laughable, the crazy that they all know. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be very calm and just be like, dang, what's wrong with you? No, nah, I'm chilling. Just... Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't like feeling like that? Is that why you don't take it, or you? What's the reason of you not taking yes, it? Yes, because because taking that medicine is gonna be another substitute for a side effect that medicine gives me. So now I'm feeling like that. I need a I need a up I, that is an upper, but I need a medicine to take me out the the thinking stage, the depression stage. You feel mm. me? I can't just keep taking that medicine. I'm putting stuff in my body like I don't know what it is for. So doing that kind of took me in a, a deep stage. Like, I got to I gotta want me to do this. I don't want medicine to help me do this. You feel me? So, and it's probably difficult. Yeah. It is difficult because my ADHD is tough, y'all. <laughs> it's bad. Well, I, I was kind of hoping Kevin would be here too. <laughs> Come on, y'all know this. Y'all I was just about to say, like, okay, from our experience, <laughs> yes, we dealing that. with. We just trying to get, yeah, like, make awareness for the yeah, yeah. listener. Yeah, that's I mean, for people who don't but, really understand what she's saying, like from people that's around her daily, we can definitely tell the difference. It's it's for sure a difference. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But it's it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just um nah. like you can ask Daddy to do something and <laughs> five days later. <laughs> it's not funny, Shut but <laughs> but you gotta find the humor in these things when when she's actually when she's actually yep. okay. She said that and you just peep it. I, it clicked for you, didn't you? What the humor? We use humor. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. Go ahead. So yeah, so I've I've also heard like uh, well I've 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 witnessed like when <laughs> and she's she's only t- partially telling the truth. I'm sorry, I'm gonna tell you the truth for you. What happened? Um, <laughs> what I missed? We're talking about that in her ADHD. Mm. How she is from us looking looking in like from looking from the mm. outside in. Um, and she told us how she feels from, you know, the inside, from the out. inside out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so one of the things I mentioned is how she, um, you could ask her one thing and she just, five days later, she still ain't did it. That's my, that's my biggest thing with her. But I've learned, I've learned to be a lot more patient, you know? Yeah. A lot more patient. <clears throat> But like that they said, she on the ledge, she could build a tiny house in 30 minutes. Period. Because <laughs> the man sent me some blow. No. Now I'm promoting the medicine for us. They don't know what it is. <laughs> right. Well, y'all know what it is. Like, but. No, I just, I just really. Go ahead, D. Some ways that we can like um some people well, if people if somebody wouldn't know what it looks like and they just like this must get some I got nerves they just they just like like okay yeah no that's some the thing. people really just be like 
No, because she know what the fuck she doing. She she understand this and the other. It's like, but it really is a diagnosis. Like, it's really, this really is a disorder. Like, you have to, you know, mm -hmm. really be looking into that and understand how this person is, how their day-to-day -day is, and to really know and how to pinpoint it, you know. I'm crying. Not be doing this on camera, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, but yes, so we just, um, my brother-in-law just joined in, this is Mr. Ashwood, so now we have Mr. and Mrs. Ashwood, Mr. and Mrs. Ashwood, <laughs> this is the infamous who she's been gloating about, you know, big <laughs> care, Okay, so yeah, so right now we're still, uh, we went back to ADHD since we had um, that A hopping in. And now we have Kevin hopping in. A male yeah. perspective. Introduce yourself, Kev. <laughs> Introduce yourself, Kev. What's up, y'all? My name's Kevin. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I'm crying. I am Mr. <laughs> Ashwood to the Mrs. Ashwood over here. And that's on period. Thank you. All right. Yeah. So what? I mean, what do you do? What do you do? Oh yeah. So I am a, a licensed home advisor. I do real estate. Um, I do advising with real estate. Um, I also do a lot of uh, DNI work um, within home, you know, buying industry and like um, just really trying to make it more equitable for uh, black and brown people to be able to buy houses um, and really trying to like service the inequalities that we face as black and brown people really not knowing what to expect and um and that home buying process so that's what i do very good and, at it yeah, yeah. they're both very good at it he got a title belt with him <laughs> he do have a title belt yeah i just came from karaoke <laughs> i definitely won that title <laughs> they pass out bills at karaoke right he stole it yeah. oh. Oh, you steal? Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. We do a little stealing. You said he steals. You know, he's going to take it back, though. Oh, maybe. He said that. Oh, never mind. That's crazy. No, we lie. I thought we were talking about ADHD. We were. Like, it's your job. Because you're good at your job. Yeah. But is it hard? But it's going to trickle down into what we're talking about, though. Because, you know. It's very, it's a lot of stereotypes with ADHD. A yeah. lot of parents don't even want to, like, get their child their help mm -hmm. because they're like, no, nah, he's not going to be able to do this. He's not going to be able to do that. Or, you know, this is, you know. That's real shit. Like that. uh, oh, can I catch on this? <laughs> uh, let me find out yes. first. All right. So, um, I would say anybody that think they got ADHD, uh, first you should tune into this program on YouTube. Ooh, yeah. It's called How to ADHD. Um, it's a lot of resources there and it's a lot of affirming information. If you think you might have ADHD and you don't really know if you do or not. Um, I recently was diagnosed uh, with ADHD as an adult, which is very hard. I mean, I could talk all day about how difficult that process was <laughs> as an adult to um, get diagnosed with ADHD. But um Stressful. What really it, it comes to a point is a lot of parents, a lot of people don't want to 
um, test their kids for ADHD because they think that there's like this stigma attached to like ADHD and that that's like saying something negative about their kid if they say that they have ADHD. But what they don't realize is that that kid is already getting labeled and stigmatized with negative stereotypes about them. Even if you don't get them tested for ADHD, mm -hmm. they're being called lazy. They're being called inattentive. Mm. They're being called um, scatterbrained. Disruptive. They're called disruptive. They're called all this other stuff, and that's making and that's really damaging to their self-esteem mm -hmm. and their ability to like think of themselves as powerful um, or like creators in the world because they think they're lazy. They think that they're um, less than and um, it's actually freeing in a lot of ways to really understand that, like, no, it's not that I'm lazy. It's not that I'm scatterbrained. It's not that I'm any of that. It's really just that I have a different way of thinking mm -hmm. than the way that some other people think or that we call neurotypical, um, that I have a neurodivergent way of thinking. And that, that that's not bad, right? That that's, That actually makes me more creative. Mm -hmm. That actually makes me... Just think in a different way. And if you could just tailor your lessons and tailor your way of teaching to the way that I think, then I can perform just as well as everybody else. Mm -hmm. It's just that you're tailoring your lesson plans in a way that isn't necessarily um, tailored towards me or mm -hmm. people that think like me or people that have brain patterns that reflect mine. Um, and so it's not necessarily that you're, like, stupid or any of that um, or all the stigmas that people put on you as a person with ADHD. Um, I was a person that used to get 4.0s and had ADHD. And so people didn't want to necessarily, you know, diagnose me with it because they're like, oh, only bad kids get ADHD, have ADHD. What that did is when I went to college... And I could no longer figure out the stuff that people were talking about on my own on, you know, like, you know, I couldn't necessarily just like read the paper that was put in front of me and be like, well, I can figure it out because, you know, college is a lot more difficult. And he went to Michigan. It made me feel like I was less, uh, less than, less adequate, less smart than a lot of my counterparts, especially in a program like I was in. I was in computer engineering. And like, you know, that made me feel like I I didn't necessarily have the skills when really it's just that my mind worked in a different way. I would say how to ADHD on YouTube is a great resource. Just see if that if the way that they're speaking reflects with you in your experience mm -hmm. in school and life and all of that. And if it does, then seek help. Um I'm not going to hold you. It's very difficult as an adult to get diagnosed with ADHD. That's just because it's a lot of gatekeeping. You know what I mean? A lot of people try to abuse ADHD. They try to, you know, get, say they got it so they can get on Adderall, all kind of stuff. Um, so you are going to have to work hard at, like, you know, trying to prove to doctors that you actually have it. Um, but if it is something that affects you, People will, you will test positive for it. You will show symptoms because your brain just thinks in a different way. Um, when I did go through the test for ADHD, 
it was different than like anything I could have imagined. Like it was like they weren't asking me any questions about attention. They weren't asking me any questions about, you know, it was like random little games or whatever. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be passing or failing this <laughs> stuff. Like, I don't even know what this test is. But as a psychiatrist, they was able to look at that and be like, all right, you you think different. Hmm. Hmm. That's, That's some good information. Absolutely. That's, That's what we need. Uh, when, uh, when I was a kid, they had me doing all this random stuff. <laughs> and I, right. I didn't know if I was supposed to try my hardest. Or <laughs> <laughs> right. Am I passing uh, or failing? Like... Yeah, it was the same way. And I did it for a long time. It did take a long time to go through all of these people and mm-hmm. read to them and do all these tests. It was crazy. Yeah. I but never thought I about like that. Without yeah. go back on kids, mm-hmm. I feel like if you feel like you see signs that's different in your kids, then it's, it's a, you got to go check it out. It's, it's yeah. important because mm-hmm. it definitely can affect them when they get older. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it don't go away. It doesn't grow. Yeah. You don't grow out of ADHD. Grow. You cannot beat it out of them. You yes. can't beat yeah. it out of them. Yeah. Right? You can't beat it out of them. And people you think they're saving them from a stigmatism. Like they think yeah. that like ADHD is this like putting this label on them that's mm-hmm. gonna like mm-hmm. affect them for the rest of their life once they, they put this affected. label on right. them. But they're gonna have a label on them regardless. Period. Like they're gonna have a label for the rest of their life. People all mm-hmm. my life call me lazy. When I was trying my hardest, people called me lazy all my life. People called me, you know, like, oh, um, he's giving his bare minimum. Um, he, he's just, he, you know, he's choosing to not pay attention in class. Um, and that he's just lucky that, like, his bare minimum is still good enough mm. for him to pass. Can I stand that teacher? Uh, <laughs> but, like, that's, like, the stigma. That's what people think of, of, of a lot of ADHD patients, like, that like they're just not trying hard enough that it's like a reflection on them and they internalize that. I genuinely thought that I was just a shitty person who like had all this capability and just chose not to use it. Mm. Um and I think that I carried that on throughout college thinking that like that was just a reflection of the kind of person that I am is that I'm a kind of the kind of person that would give his bare minimum even when he got a lot more to to give. Um and that's not that's not what that's not necessarily a reflection on you if that's something that affects you and it affects mm. so many more people than what we're actually testing for that we actually know about um and so if that if that reflects with you i just if you if you're listening to this and you like hear it and you're like you know what i I genuinely feel like that does strike a chord with me that sounds like some some stuff that my teacher used to say that sounds like some stuff. Look at it. Look yeah. at the symptoms. Get tested. Talk to somebody. It's difficult. I understand that. But there are resources like the Imagine Center. You're going to have to wait. But, hey, you've been waiting this long in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been waiting how many years at this point? You can wait a few more months. Um, it's a wait list, but, like, you can do that. And just have that clarity. Have that clarity of mindset so that at least you know there are a lot of other things that look like ADHD Anxiety, depression, PTSD, a lot of stuff that like mental illnesses that will look like ADHD. Maybe you're afflicted with one of those. Maybe you have anxiety disorders. Maybe you have depression. Maybe you have PTSD. Because a lot of black people in the community 
really have PTSD and aren't being mm -hmm. treated for it because we're so used to it. Everybody didn't see a gun at their life. Everybody then, you know what I mean? Like, everybody didn't have violence put against them. Everybody has had a situation where they didn't know if they was going to live or die from that moment. Everybody had a moment with the police where they was like, I don't know what's really about to happen with this. Everybody. So we don't even see that as trauma. We don't even see that as, like, a, a traumatic situation. And that leaves reflections in your body of how to respond to that trauma. Right, that leaves like reflection in your body of like, this is how I should um, react or whatever. And so that sometimes looks like ADHD. You think that you just can't concentrate, but really your brain is thinking about all the next mm -hmm. possible dangers that could happen mm -hmm. because you've experienced so many dangers in your life. Yeah. And as black people, we just got get used to, get it. Used to mm -hmm. it. So talk to a professional. <laughs> figure out whether or not it's ADHD, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's PTSD. It doesn't make you weak. That's actually the strongest thing you could do. What's weak is what's weak is, is is having that mindset and be like, oh, I can do it all on my own, and you fucking up somebody else's life. Mm. You fucking up your kid's life. Mm. You fucking up your family's life because you so scared to say, hey, this thing happened to me, and that shit really fucked with my brain, and that really fucked with me when I sleep. I have nightmares about that shit. I have, you know, like, daydreams about it, and that really affects how I even interact with people from now on. Be honest about that. We are all going through it as black people. We all got some fucked up shit. I've been held at gunpoint. I've been chased by police. I've had fucking, you know... My my brother is incarcerated. He's incarcerated for 17 years. We got shit that's going on, mm -hmm. and we make that shit normal, and that's traumatic for it's us. And it affects how we think in the real world. And so there's nothing wrong with you that doesn't make you weak for saying, damn, that shit actually affected me. There's not strength in saying, Oh, I just move on. I just can keep going. Mm -hmm. That's not being you're strong. Not really. You're not. Way. It's, it's really, it's really affecting you. Here. It's really affecting mm -hmm. the people that you love. And so you think that it's you being strong. Um, and as a black community, we've called that strength. Um, and it's not. It's really just a cover of trauma. Um, and it's really maladaptive. It's really damaging to our community. So if you feel that way. I really, really hope that you see this and uh, and just look for a little bit of, of help there because it's help available to you. I promise. And this is coming from a black man. Stop black playing. man. Black man. Absolutely. Thank you. Too. Thank you so much for that. Mm, that was a perfect way to close this. Oh, my God. That was... We needed that from, you know... We, we always got so many women up in here, mm -hmm. but that was perfect. Having him hop in. Again, thank you, Day Day. Thank you, Kevin, for sharing your guys' story with us. We really appreciate that. Thank you, Jesse, for coming on here and spreading your knowledge. Dropping some gems. The wealth of knowledge that you have oh, in your field. And congratulations on passing that test, girl. Thank you. Black, black people do not pass that exam on the first try a lot. So Period. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, black excellence. That's because of a gatekeeping thing again, but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So again, that wraps up another episode of Put It On The Do, Smoke. Do, do, do.
Don't say that. <laughs> so we uh, had a little bit more of a serious conversation today. Yeah. Um, well we needed. up a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, we pretty much used this episode um, as a speaking point for healing and uh, mm-hmm. knowledge. And now, now with the information that was uh, brought to us today, I hope everyone that's listening, if, if the, any of those things that we talked about affect you, please, please, please play this back. Write those numbers down. Write those uh, uh, Google accounts down. Everything that uh, was put out and use those resources because they're out there. Um, they're out there to help you. It's, it's not strong to stay silent. We redefine what strong means. Period. It's your girl, Lip P. It's Didi. <laughs> That's Jesse and Kath. And it's Jesse. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll we'll next week. The Ash was our album. The Highland Park. Turbulence. Turbulence. Detroit Radio.